This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back, Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today. We are joined by the one and only Mr. Constantine Maroulis. How are you? I'm so good, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I love this. I am okay, I am, are you, where are you? Are you in New Jersey or am I just making that up? (laughs) I've been, I somehow just got back in time to get this call. I've been uh, on the road. Uh, working on a couple of projects, and I drove out to the middle of the country, um, and I just got back, just unloaded, just set up the phone. Here we are. Yes, um, I have a home in Manhattan, but I uh, I really have like my more permanent home these last few years in North Jersey, uh, where I grew up. Born in Brooklyn, uh, but I grew up in North Jersey. Moved back here a few years ago to raise my daughter here in the you know really swell suburbs right outside New York City and uh, some family around and, and all of that. And, and yeah, I love it. I love, I love the burbs, but you know, the city is right there. And of course I haven't been there as much lately with everything going on. So just been hunkered down here. So it was nice to, to get out of town for a week or so and work on some stuff and I'm back. You were working on a video for, is this from your new, we're going to talk about your new album. That's oh, one cool. of the reasons you're here. But, so you were working on a video for a song from the new album? Yeah, yeah. It's been some time since I put out some original music. And so I did a record this year. Uh, I've been very blessed to be in a bunch of Broadway shows, singing other people's music. And uh, I don't know, these last few years I had a lot to write about. And this record came together. It's a my love letter to rock and roll it's called until i'm wanted it's available everywhere one of our songs just got added to uh you know for full airplay uh my first full airplay ad if you can believe it i think ever so i'm pretty excited um and i'm like 100 years old so here we are finally with like an ad uh at at rotation uh at radio so i'm pretty excited that's this that song's called all about you but the video is for a different song um a song i wrote about some crazy experiences I've been through these last few years and the director just sort of connected with that tune so we had a cool kind of indie crew very safe um, socially distanced shoot and uh, we knocked it out we knocked out this little short he's working on as well this very cool noir short called Swerve so it was a productive week and then I you know I came home to some uh, some crazy uh, gossipy news which was kind of funny Okay, we're going to get into all, listen, we got a lot to get into. We are, we're, we're not just going to say gossiping news. We're going to break this down because I got a lot of questions. And I have a lot more questions about the new album too. But before we get to all of that, so let's just start at the beginning. I know you're from Brooklyn. You grew up in New Jersey. Like, did you always want to be a singer growing up? Like, was that just it? Did you know from an early age? Yeah, you know, I'm the youngest of three. I, I've been much older brother and sister. They don't like when I say that, but um, I just, you know, I just worshiped them uh, so much. They were really into music and art, um, both incredibly 
bright and intelligent uh, people. And my brother in particular is an incredible artist, Ethan Maroulis. He's had this prolific sort of underground uh, career as a performer, a singer, a writer, a producer. Um, uh, he's sort of a really kind of like an iconic figure in the goth industrial scene of the 80s and 90s. And uh, he's put out just, you know, I don't know, 100 titles or something. So very different performer than me, but I just, I really idolized him and his music, uh, uh, his musical taste, his music. My sister was into new wave and doing shows in high school, my brother as well. So yeah, I think for me, you know, I, although I'm the youngest of three, I kind of grew up almost like a, a, an only child at home because they were kind of gone by the time you know, I was kind of coming of age and exactly. yeah, and I really, I really got into music and I've had this big belty voice since very young age, but I was very shy most of my youth uh, and very, uh, very much had um, stage fright. So, really? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Until I feel, I feel like until I, yeah, I would get all like the singing parts and chorus and all these kind of school shows before high school, like elementary school. And then I would get out there and I would just bomb because I was so nervous that everyone would make fun of me that I had this high singing voice, almost like a boy soprano probably, you know? And, uh, and I would freak out. And I think until like girls and boys started liking me when I started singing in a band, I was like, this is cool. Uh, you start to build up, uh, you know, maybe in high school or something, you build up a little confidence and then, you get a part in the play and, you know, it starts to kind of get put together a little bit for you, you know? What were your, like, who were your musical, like, idols growing up? Oh, uh, definitely classic rock, you know, predominantly, um, certainly the whole Woodstock era, um, but Eagles, Grateful Dead, Bob Marley, Hendrix, Zeppelin, you know, Janice, uh, but then I love jazz and show tunes. Um, I loved, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Billy, uh, Billy Holiday, Nat King Cole and Sinatra. But, you know, we would, we would gather around and watch uh, West Side Story. I actually have an original West Side Story poster there from uh, the, the film in the 50s. Uh, George Chikiris, proud Greek American, oh. won the Oscar for that. I've gotten to meet him and there were a lot of Greeks and it were proud Greeks from Brooklyn, New York. So, I think when we got to watch West Side Story as, as a family, those were like the, the very rare times the five of us were together. It was just magical for me. So those movie musicals were a big influence on me as well. You're like an old soul. I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, my, my family, my, my parents were born here, but my father passed um, about six years ago, nearly seven, but he uh, and my mother were born in, in the 30s. Wow. And, yeah, and so they're, they're born here, but they're very traditional Greek American. And, you know, we moved out of Brooklyn in the early 80s. Um, it was not the Brooklyn people have come to know now. And right. uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a rough place and it was, it was going through a, and it's so funny because we everyone's criticizing New York City now. It's it's very cyclical when you're dealing with like Gotham City, you know, there are the dark times and there are the light times, you know, um, in the 70s in New York City and, and in the and in the boroughs like Brooklyn, uh, it was it was not a great time. So they moved us out to the like affluent 
really vanilla suburbs of North Jersey, um, you know, the best public schools and really on the East Coast. And, you know, my parents both worked. And we didn't belong in this town per se, if you know what I mean, but they worked their asses off to make it happen for us. And I'm very thankful. So yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're definitely old school, traditional. That's good. And then your band, Pray for the Soul of Betty, that was what, like during high school, after high school? So that, you know, uh, right after high school, yeah, I played in some bands and, and did, you know, even got, you know, some shows, did, remember working with Billy Porter and guys like long, long time ago in like the 90s. Um, then I went off to school. I went off to the Boston Conservatory, Berklee College of Music, um, really honed in my acting and my, my music uh, really dug into the craft, worked with the best people in the world um, there. And just, you know, Boston is, is, a, is a pretty big city, but it's close enough away where you can, yeah, you can feel like you're doing your own thing, uh, but not necessarily uh, be overwhelmed by a city, but sort of prepped me for really committing to the New York and or LA thing. Um, did my thing there. Uh, did a four-year program in three years, you know, did the Williamstown Theater Festival after I graduated, was an apprentice there. It was a big deal for me. Me, Chris Pine, um, Liz Merriweather, who created The New Girl, or The New Girl? Yeah. What yeah. Like yeah. Uh, the most insane apprentice class you can ever imagine. And everyone kind of became kind of someone. I met Michael Greif there, huge director, dear Evan Hansen, of course, Rent. My goal was to be in Rent then, you know. That's and a good goal. He booked me in Rent, did Rent for a couple of years, formed Pray for the Soul of Betty. They follow me out on the road. I do a couple of years. We go to Japan. It was just unbelievable. I'm in Rent. I'm like, I've, I've arrived. And then they're like, we're not bringing you back next year. And you're like, What? So that's when an old girlfriend's like, let's go audition uh, for American Idol. And that's, you know, around, what, 2005 or so. And, you know, so all of these things kind of led to that. So I had been working, you know, I had played in bands, I had auditioned, I had had agents and even record deals and such and toured and I was in rent, graduated a prestigious conservatory, I had some life experience, I was a little older. Um, and then that year of Idol, it just sort of happened. You know, I, I needed a job. You know, I was really a sort of musical theater kid who could rock. And, um, you know, I'd never seen it because it had one, two, three seasons before that. We were in school. I was on the road. You knew what American Idol was. But as you remember, the whole world was watching, like season four, Carrie. I mean, it was just 30 million people a night. So it was a wild ride for sure. And what was Chris Pine like back then? <laughs> he was, honestly, honestly, and we stayed in touch for many years. Um, probably the most gifted. I mean, and these are actors. Like, I mean, people are like, oh, you're acting now? And it's like, I have a BFA from like one of the best schools. Anyway, so um, it's in my blood. Like, it's my shit, you know? And uh, Chris Pine walks in. I remember all the apprentices. And there were other really big people there, too. Like... Michael Arden, um, uh, I remember, I remember uh, just everybody was in that class. Um, gosh, and uh, 
Chris Pine, the first day, all the apprentices had to get up there and do monologues. And they plucked like people from the best BFA and MFA programs in the country. To be, to be an apprentice at Williamstown is a BFD for sure. And it was always like my goal. You can swear if you would like. You can say big fucking deal. That's fine. Okay. It was a big fucking deal. I mean, you could say, you don't have to say, but this is a, you know, say what you want. Thank you. And uh, it was just such a big deal. And, um, and, and Chris walked in and he he wasn't quite Chris Pine yet because um, he, you know, his father was an actor and uh, he was on chips and his father's had a, a great career really. And uh, his mother as well. And he, at first he was like Chris Whitehall or Chris Pine Whitehall. I remember it was something like that. And it didn't matter. He walked in, he looked like a young Brad Pitt, but like he was such a great actor. I mean, he did this piece from Hamlet and I was just like, oh. um, I, you know, I'd never seen someone my age just crush it like that and captivate 200 people in a room cold, like, and he did this, I think he did a, maybe a monologue from, from something else. Um, I can't remember Sam Shepard or something. And he was just phenomenal. Um, and he sings, he can sing. And we used to like write songs and like stay out and like everybody, it was one of the greatest summers. Liz, Liz had graduated like maybe Yale and she was an actor at the time. And, um, you know, she was writing a lot, but um, she was a really good actor and she could sing too. Um, and uh, we would do the cab, they had like the very famous Williamstown cabaret and a lot of us would participate. But Chris, yeah, I mean, it was just so clear that he was going to be a massive star. Do you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. just, he, just he, he looked like that. And then his chops were just like ridiculous. Um, he's almost so good that I think it's been hard to find like the role. I mean, clearly Captain Kirk is it's incredible and he's been in some great films and TV stuff, but like, he's just so good and so good looking. It's like, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, where does he fit? Like sometimes, I mean, he's insanely successful, but I think, uh, yeah, you know, interesting. Um, He's incredible. So, yeah. Hi, Chris. He's like, I'm sorry, who are you? I don't, what? You're... When's the last time you talked to him? Oh, it's been, it's been some time. It's been some time. Uh, maybe, maybe when, like, the Rock of Ages thing first kind of blew up or something like that. Interesting. And then for Idol, so the year of Idol, I mean, you benefited by, the, it was the first year where they, like, changed the age limit to 28. So that you benefited by... I did. I did. I was a man. Um, and I think in a way it was cool because, um, let's face it, a lot of moms and watch the show. And I think for the first time, they're like, oh, okay, we can kind of like him and maybe even a different way than we do like Clay Aiken or one of the younger cats or girls. And it's like, I can maybe... You know, it's kind of bringing you back. You can say it. You can say maybe it. Maybe like there's like a sort of like you know, uh, I can have like some feelings. I can have some uh, some hotness, some feelings for somebody. Uh, and it was me and Bo Bice was in, was uh, around my age too. And uh, yeah, it was uh, I think a really sort of like a, a great season. You know, for sure. Carrie was always gonna win the show for sure. Like really, she, that was obvious. 
Yeah. 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 For me, uh, um, you know, I had been around, I, I, I saw, I was playing the part. I saw what was happening and I'm like, Oh, this girl, you know, the story. And she was good, uh, at being Carrie and, uh, it was genuine and she literally had never been on an airplane before. She's from, I still can't say the name of her town in Oklahoma. She's from Chakota or something, Chekatoa. Uh, and, you know, I remember telling her, um, I think maybe when we were on tour, we had this insane tour. We were playing arenas like multiple nights, sold out like for the whole summer. I mean, it was just a different time, you know, it was a different time. And I was like, I remember maybe seeing her backstage in like a tank top and her jeans. And I was like, that's the look. I mean, like, just go out there like that. And she was like, no, I can never show my arms. And now she's like this fashion diva icon, of course, you know? And I was like, just do it. You're going to be like, there's like, you know, like a little bra is showing like. Was that at the audition or? No, no, no. Okay. This is like while, when we were like on tour and stuff. Okay. No, um, I, she auditioned in the same city as me, but I didn't see her. I didn't really get to know her until we were like in Hollywood. But I remember, I think seeing her at the audition, but we didn't really connect. Um, yeah. And she, but it was just clear when we got to Hollywood. I'm like, come on, this girl, you know. Really? This is the story. Like if I'm writing this, this show, you know, this is the girl. Like my goal was to get as far as I could and to get what I could from it. Um, and frankly, you know, I, there were some good people to come off the season, but I think it really was about Carrie and I most of the time. And, you know, the, the gossip I'm hearing backstage, we were getting all the votes. I mean, she was obviously getting the, the, the load of them. And, but I think when I kind of free falled off the show one week, I think it was for good television, not, not because like all of a sudden I was in, I'd never been in the bottom three or anything, you know? So, but I, you know, I think it, it would have been, I think it was better than just kind of like maybe coming in second, you know, like for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to get started. And uh, there you have it. You know. I mean, did you know, well, I mean, when you tried out for Idol with this girlfriend, I mean, having not watched it, were you like, okay, I know who Kelly is. I know who like Fantasia is. Were you like, this could be a big deal. Or were you like, I'm a rocker. I've seen the world. I don't know about this idol thing. Like, did you go in? I think in it's somewhere in between there. Like I was an actor, you know, I had just come off like two years of playing Roger in Rent. When I got there, I was like leather jacket. My hair was like highlighted. I'm like, what's up? I was in Rent. What's up? My band. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 
20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, they don't know I'm here. It's cool. And they were like, shooting my camera on me the whole time. Like, so you, I'm playing into it. They're playing into it. Come on. You know, it's, it's showbiz, baby. It's showbiz. But um, I'm a competitive person. I played sports growing up. I love sports. I want to win. I want to do well. But it's funny, back then, you know, you couldn't clear songs. I think people were still like, uh, do I want to put my song on the show? You know, and like, frankly, until I did Bohemian Rhapsody, which was really quite openly available, and you started to see like, oh, a digital spike. Remember, it's like 2005, you know, it's like, did iTunes maybe just start? Maybe not even. Um, and then you saw like Night at the Opera, like back in the charts, and it was like, what's happening here? Maybe they, even if they, it's great if they, kill the song that's awesome but even if they suck at the song my song is still kind of back on people's radar you know so it was still figuring itself out it was a lot of the first couple of seasons were like sugar pie honey bunch you know and then it started you know i remember the week i went home i wanted to do this u2 song that they pulled from me like last minute so i was like looked on the charts because it was like current songs and I was like, oh, Nickelback's a rock song. I'll do that. And then it was not, didn't work. But um, I figured I was like, fine, you know. But then they were like, you're going home. I was like, oh, shit. But I don't know. If you remember, Paula Abdul, my girl who I love, there were some scandals in the air. And I remember yes, Dateline... Dateline was running a big special against American Idol. Just saying, might have been a big, you know, nice big uh, gaslighting smoke screen kind of. Let's eliminate Constantine, take all these headlines away from that. Because that's what it was. It, that's really, I mean, if, you, if people remember the show, that's, it was a big, like, kind of shocking moment. But it worked out. It worked out. What was the Dateline special? I mean, I remember like it. An expose about her sleeping with contestants or something. And one of those contestants, I mean, that was the rumor was you. No, no, I didn't. I mean, that, no, no. Corey something or other. I don't know. Um, yes. I always thought that you were kind of, there was Corey, but I thought you were lumped in there too. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm not making that up. That's I mean, like what I remember. 
been very close and social over the years and I care for her very much. I think she's super hot. Um, and I worshiped her when I was a kid. I was like, you know, singing the songs and I love that new commercial. Um, but no, we never, that never happened. Okay. I mean, you're right here in front of me. Like, let's just, you know, let's just call this. Oh my God. But Constantine's like Jesus. But hey, but Paula, call me. Listen, I am, I bow to the altar that is Paula Abdul. So I I get it. She's, what were you? I mean, without blowing her spot. Yeah, I feel like it was good television. Let's send Constantine home rather than someone, you know, whatever. And it was good TV. And it was like, oh, look, anyone can go home at any time. But I had been having a good time, man. I mean, remember, the show was on for months and months. It was not like weeks. It was on for months and months. Like, for most of the season, three nights a week. Remember, boy night, girl night, elimination night? It was nuts. Um, I was going out every night. It was crazy. This was like a little pre-paparazzi, so you can, I could get away with a lot of stuff. Because I knew everyone because I used to go out in New York. So you know people in New York, you know, you get to know people in LA pretty quick. And um, there are a lot of crazy stories for sure. <laughs> like what? With like other contestants or just like going out at night while you should have been home while everyone else was asleep? Well, yeah, I would get into some trouble in the, uh, in the nightlife and all that. And that was fun. Um, but no, I mean, Look, overall, I think I'm a good boy, and uh, I'm serious about the work. I was serious about the opportunity, but, um, you know, I mean, to keep a nearly 30-year-old man, like, in quarantine then, <laughs> um, Seriously. it was going to be, it was like a wolf, you know, it's like, it's hard to keep the wolf down too long, so, and uh, so I had a good time, for sure, but... He- I made the most of the opportunity for sure. Did you feel the show like was, I don't even know if rigged is the right word, but did you feel like there were these outside factors of like, you know, each week who goes home, it's not just the singing, it is like who's gonna make good TV. And to your point, let's have someone win with an actual story. Like, did you feel that was like a big factor? Yeah, you know, I feel like having since produced shows, you know, and on Broadway, some TV. I think, you know, you're, you're trying to provide the best entertainment for the audience at home. And I think for sure there are factors and, um, and I think that's cool. They're giving you this, this opportunity to, uh, to be seen, um, to have people see what you do. Um, and, uh, I was on there a long time and thank goodness my name wasn't like John Smith. You know, because people could remember my name and like my long hair and whatever, um, my smoldering into the camera um, and stuff like that. So, and my goofiness, I think, you know, falling on my ass and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that um, it was my time. That's all. But it was great that because Simon, Simon Fuller who really created the show, was the first person in my dressing room after the show. And he's like, we're going to take care of you. And uh, we're going to watch out for you. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting tons of calls. And, you know, um, and one of the first big calls uh, was uh, Kelsey Grammer. And uh, his, he's a big television producer at the time. And they wanted to produce and develop a show for me. Um, 
a scripted show um, that would sort of, I don't know, be like a King of Queens type of tone. Uh, this was a little before, you know, the, the big sitcom thing kind of did make a comeback with How I Met Your Mother, Two and a Half Men and all that. So something in that world. And we worked on that for a long time. ABC bought the show. You know, they took very good care of me. So like, I kind of prioritized that rather than make records right away. And um, the show never really worked out. But I mean, what an experience you have to explore, you know, for sure. So, and one of the other meetings I had right out um, of the show was with the creators of, of Rock of Ages. So, um, you know, I think us coming together was, you know, the stuff like the theater gods, you know, conjure up for you, you know, you can't, you just, you know, it was just sort of like kismet. And, um, and you know, we saw this little mixtape 80s show that they used to set up in, you know, clubs in LA uh, that they get, they would get kicked out of so it could turn into like Russian night. Um, and we've seen it, you know, become like really a worldwide uh, global brand. And uh, I feel like, you know, something that I'm synonymous with and uh, very proud to be for sure. So, and obviously all the accolades and the, and the, the years of the, of success with the show have been great for sure. Yeah. You know, that was kind of my Jesus take the wheel, if you, if you will. Well, I mean, to that reference, like, was there, did everyone else, because you were kind of more experienced, like, you had seen the world, you kind of knew how the business worked, you knew that, like, smolds are into the camera, the moms are my Democrat, like, you kind of got what it was, like, did everyone else there understand, like, you know, you say it's obvious Carrie was going to win, like, was that the feeling with all the other contestants, too? Like, was that, like, the chatter, or was it just, like, you were kind of more in the know of how this all works? I mean, if they didn't know, then... You know, they weren't exactly a lot of them from New York and right. had been in it. But I feel like, yeah, it was clear she was a front runner, you know. But she had some not awesome moments on the show. I think she could, she would let you know. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just like before really they would like style us. They only styled like maybe the top 10. Um, and, you know, we were wearing our own stuff, doing our own hair and makeup for most of it. They didn't have the sophisticated sound system that they have, you know, now pre-COVID. Um, it was hard to hear over the band. Like, you're like, you know, they compress the sound so much for the television audience. It, it sounds, you've heard like when you isolate someone's unedited vocal, like yeah. on a song and you're like, oh, is that how it sounds? You know, it's um, it's unforgiving because you you know it sounds really loud in the house, and you're like, yeah, I'm rocking, and then you can't really tell because it's just the crowd is going crazy, the band sounds sick, and then you know they compress that vocal, and you're like, oh, that didn't sound right, and Simon's like sitting there with like an ISO you know monitor. It's just there's so many intricacies, but. I love the show. Even still, I thought it had a great season considering the circumstances. Um, I think the transition to ABC has been awesome. And uh, I mentored on the show the final season at Fox two years, three years ago, whatever it was. Um, that was awesome. Got to get, you know, every, you know, Nigel came back to direct the big finale with Ken Warwick. They were the big producers on the show for years and years and years and years. And, um, 
you know, me and Daughtry got to hang, you know, we've been friends and I don't know, I feel like I'm like the mayor of all really? the idols. Like, I'm like weirdly friends with just like everybody. Really? Or everyone's when, Greek brother. When's the last time, have you talked to like Carrie recently? Like, No, I haven't, not, not since I saw her at that, um, that Fox finale of Idol when, when Seacrest was like, uh, um, that's it for American Idol. Seacrest out. Or whatever wow. he said, maybe. And it was like back the next year, of course, on a different network. But I saw her then. And uh, it was like the same, like, hi, Connie. You know, it was like, you know, we just, you know, I think we, we'll always have that experience together. And yeah. I'm so happy for her. I'm so happy for she's such a great mom and a wife and really just an inspiration to millions of 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 girls out there and boys and just she's awesome she's i mean it was she's really like one of the best singers i've ever and i've heard really them all but she could just wake up and belt like nobody's business i mean she's just got an insane instrument and gift that with the story with her hard work and with the great songs and her, you know, she, her evolution and the star power, it's been, it's been awesome to see for sure. What is, and then we will move on from Idol, I promise. What is Simon like? First of all, you know, I, my thoughts and are with him because he took a bad spill and yeah. that's, you know, that was, that was pretty nasty. Um, you know, uh, I think people like to see when people get, get knocked down and all that, but really he's a kind and very nice man and uh really just fun and very supportive and very very warm and um and brilliant really um yeah he he and i played that sort of like machismo thing you know off each other i mean again it was like the first time they had like a man on the show i think him and randy were like okay um but maybe that was everyone's character playing because backstage it would be all hugs and kisses and I've gotten some good hangouts with him maybe in the Hollywood the Hollywood world um after like a finale or something like that again when when every paparazzi wasn't like Rambo out there like (laughs) um you could you could do stuff and hang out and have fun Simon's Um, a fun one to go out and have drinks with yeah yeah he's he's a cool guy yeah he's 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 fantastic in fact and he I, you know he's sort of known as you know his his he found like a niche in the record business he'll tell you like he can't sing a note um if you remember like he would put like kids shows on records and i think he even brought like the wrestlers which i loved wrestling when i was a kid like hulkamania and all that yeah and there was that, he did that album, like Land of a Thousand Songs or Land of a Thousand Dances or whatever it was. It was, he got all these wrestlers to like sing on an album. It was crazy, but I bought that shit. Like I loved it. And when I, when I realized that he was the same guy, like we talked about that, you know, see like with guys like that, you know, I was, you know, I wasn't like, can you do something for my career? Like we were bullshit about like cool stuff, you know? Um, I think that's why I am friends with a lot of those types because I don't ask them for shit, you know? Right. It's separate. Yeah. Did you ever meet Camille Grammer when you were working on this with Kelsey? 
She's a real housewife in Beverly Hills. I did. I did meet her. I thought she was really hot. Uh, that was then. Um, I don't know if I've met her since then, but which one is she on? OC or Beverly Hills? Well, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah, she was Kelsey's wife. Oh, no, I knew that. Yeah, I mean, now they're divorced. No, I know that because I I knew his newer wife too. Um, And uh, yeah, I didn't meet her like through Kelsey, but I remember maybe seeing them at like, an event when they were still kind of together because that was all around that time. It happened quite quick, if you remember, I think. Yeah. But, um, interesting. And you thought, yeah, she was I don't know. I think, like, I remember when the OC one started, um, and I was like, oh, wow, this, this is, this is an interesting concept because, you know, I grew up in like an affluent area, you know, um, Franklin Lakes, actually. Well, where- that's where the, where, yeah. where the Jersey one is now set. Completely. Um, although none of them are from Franklin Lakes. They all maybe like have been there, um, but they're not like from Franklin Lakes. Um, maybe they moved there for a little while or maybe one, one family has been there. I don't know. But anyway, um, believe me, my, my family doesn't have a pot to piss in. We just happen to grow up around here. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think it was the draw was like that sort of that kind of, you know, successful, you know, woman. Um, and I remember those kinds of moms around here. And, you know, and then like, let's say the younger versions of them in high school, like I could never get that girl. You know, um, I would be total friend zone. I was friends with all of them. Like they're like, and they would call me Dean. Everyone calls me Dean uh, from my hometown. Really? Yeah, because when we moved here, Constantine was pretty extra for everybody. They were like, "I'm sorry, what is it? Is it Muhammad? What is it?" Uh, it's like, no, it's not a big. It's Constantine. It's not. You know, just call me Dean. Dean Gostandinos is my name. Gostandino, Constantino, Dean, Constantine. So Dean. So people are like, Dean. Um, and maybe that's what my draw was to like that show and did you watch uh, the oc housewives i think like yeah like season one i remember that was it was such a big deal like yeah i'm again it was a while ago so it's not like if you catch it you catch it and it's like oh this is entertaining yeah i don't i don't know any of them though i don't, I don't think no i don't do you know i don't think you know any of them do, i mean maybe you do but i don't think you do do you know any of them i remember or- there was one guy there was one There was one guy that was like one of the boyfriends on the show. Slade, Slade Smiley. Right, I got to know him a little in the early days and one of his girlfriends and... Maybe Gretchen or Joe. I don't know. You know, it. they all how was, to seem like the How same was person. Slade? He was your drinking buddy back in the day? No, I would see him at like a couple of events and you know, he was, he was kind of always hustling, working on something you know, and he, um, he was always a seemingly nice guy. I don't know about all of his drama or all that, but, um, yeah, he's a nice guy. So after Idol, you know, you tour for a minute and you, let's talk about 2008 Rock of Ages. Mm, Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's funny. There was that show on television, uh, You're the One That I Want, the Grease show 
this kid, Max Crum, ended up being the Danny and Laura Osnes, who's now a big Broadway star, was the Sandy. And I remember seeing the show and thinking it was really cute. And they were doing their production of Grease on Broadway. I think it was Kathleen Marshall, huge director. Not really the greatest production, right? It didn't, wasn't really working, wasn't really happening. So early on, they were already gonna like star fuck it, right? And I remember I had been doing the Broadway sort of rounds. I had gone and seen, um, you know, um, I, I think I'd already been in The Wedding Singer. I was in The Wedding Singer in 2007. Um, I went into The Wedding Singer early on as well. And that was an incredible experience. And it was cool because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like the lead. I was like the sort of comic, you know, co-lead guy. And, you know, so some of that pressure was off. And, um, but people are like, oh, wow, no, he can really do this. And it wasn't even really a big singing part. It was really all a comedy and acting. And uh, I think I started to ingratiate myself in the community and do a lot of, you know, charity work and come to openings and support people and get to know people. And sure, again, I had had that meeting with Rock of Ages early on. Um, and I was kind of like, call me when you get to New York. Um, sure enough, the show was coming to New York. They had done like one final staged reading of it in New York. And I remember everyone went and saw it and it was not good. <laughs> Sorry. No, but, I mean. Um, it was a completely different cast, a completely different show. And I remember having the opportunity to go into Greece as Kaniki for big money. Like before Taylor Hicks or Ace or any of them went into it, it was my offer to go do Kaniki for, for five figures a week, which is a lot of money, you know. And, uh, or do Rock of Ages off Broadway, off Broadway, which is 200 seats and like $200, <laughs> um, yeah. like no money. And, but I just had a feeling about it. And I just knew that, and I remember they always had seen me as the Stacy Jacks, like the rock star guy, but I always wanted to play Drew, who was like the wannabe, because that was going to be like where the heart and like all that would come from. And Kristen, the director, we had a great all-female creative team uh, in Kelly Devine, choreographer, and Kristen Hange, director. She, she really fought for me to be Drew. And that's where, that's where the magic just happened. And they put this great cast in a room, and we just played, and we just improvised. And Chris, the writer, was there. And he, I mean, shit I frankly wrote um, stayed in the show, you know? And... Um, from off-Broadway to Broadway, riffs and suggestions and, you know, big, frankly, big things that we improvised in the room stayed in the show. And uh, that happens, that happens. I mean, nowadays people get a piece of the show forever for that. Right. Um, but um, it was a different time and we were very much a groundbreaking musical. And um, Chris was brilliant, you know, putting the songs together, crafting the lyrics in a way. Uh, and a lot of the, the funny stuff. Um, but something about that cast in the room and the magic we had, and we just started building, no one wanted to come and even review us, no one cared. We just built this momentum, this word of mouth, and then we opened on Broadway, you know, um, to 
spring 2009 and it was a huge hit and the reviews were just like incredible and um the tony nominations and then you know a best actor tony nomination for me which was just really my dream so which is major i mean before you got there did you have those like off broadway like struggles of like well i could be making you know five figures a week right now in greece and why did i choose this sure sure i think we do um we all have that yeah we all have those moments of uh self-doubt and am i doing the right thing here but more than anything more, more than that i really did believe in the project and the people around me you know and i felt that there was something so magical about the original cast but really like you know i was still really quite well known and uh um i think people were kind of waiting to see like what i could really do and, and and even still it's like you get a best actor tony nomination you get the drama league nomination for distinguished performance by a lead actor you get the broadway star of the year like you get a mountain of reviews and people are still like, well, I mean, he's just kind of got the hair and the high notes. And it's like, I'm giving like this nuanced, grounded performance. And, you know, you can never satisfy people, man. The trolls are just like always coming for you, you know. So, Tell me you know, about and then it. it's always like, what's next? So, well, what are you doing now? And it's like, that's not good enough. Because oh, I get it. Like an apartment, a house, and you know a lot of stuff. Like I think I think I've done all right, but you know um, you got it. So it, it, but that motivates me. And a lot about the a lot of the new record, not to transition the title until I'm wanted, is really about that. Like you know, don't stop believing sort of mentality. Like just I'm gonna keep going and until I'm wanted, which is probably never. <laughs> but um, I'll keep, I'll keep hustling along. And, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities. Um, I got to produce on the Spring Awakening Revival and a lot of opportunities on Broadway and beyond. And, um, you know, uh, Mozart in the Jungle on Amazon, Madam Secretary, The Law and Orders, and some movies. We, have a, we did this fun spot in a movie with Lucy Hale that uh, was number one on demand for the last uh, few weeks. Uh, called A Nice Girl Like You, uh, really cute, kind of sexy romantic comedy. And But I have like a leading role coming out later this year in a movie called Either Side of Midnight by Roger Spottiswood. Amazing director from my youth, like Turner and Hooch. Yeah. Um, you know, Pierce Brosnan's uh, James Bond movies and like so many great films he directed and wrote. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that. I, I play a Greek in that, go figure. That's like, you know, a huge stretch right there. <laughs> were you shocked when like, so like, I mean, cause Rock of Ages was a huge hit. Like who came to see it where you were just like, oh, I mean, I know like everyone, Everybody. like who Everybody. were some of the big ones? Vince Vaughn was like one of my favorites. Vince Vaughn, Billy Joel, Paris Hilton at like the height of her thing. Um, you know, every rock star that was a part of it, you know, from um, the members of Bon Jovi and Whitesnake and Farner and um, Journey and all of them, you know, so many sports figures, uh, you know, all the time. Uh, and I'm a huge Yankees fan. A-Rod would come with Cameron Diaz. Um, you know, my God. Uh, 
Judd Apatow and his wife and, you know, to Toby McGuire and uh, so many great people. It was awesome. Uh, what was Paris? What was Paris Hilton? What was Paris Hilton? Oh, like? there's pictures of, uh, well, she was with some guy at the time. And I was like, I thought I had like, I was like, I'm going to, this is my time. This is my shot. Let me get in there. And she was like so nice and like flirty backstage and everything. And like, there's pictures of us like in my dressing room, but she was going out with some like Hills or something reject at the time. Like, and she was even maybe engaged him, handsome guy, but he was just kind of like pissed. Um, you know, I was just like, and she was really nice. I definitely, I definitely, she looked amazing too. We were all like, wow, she looked amazing. Um, and you know, I've been going, I've been clubbing since I'm 16 years old. So, you know, but now I'm somebody, I guess. And, um, you know, Leah Michelle had come and, you know, she and I had known each other a long time as well from the old days. And, uh, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the Glee kids would come and, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a great time, for sure. How is Leah? She's great, you know? I mean, she, um, I produced the Spring Awakening revival um, with Ken Davenport and with a great team. Um, and I knew her when she was doing it, like, off-Broadway. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we have a little history, but we are, uh, I, I genuinely liked her, and um, I found her... I find her to be incredibly talented. Um, I just don't, I'm not informed enough to know about all of that stuff that happened on Glee. I just don't know those things. But for me, I'm listening. I'd rather just, I'd rather listen to hear what people have to say. And, um, you know, I think that's just more important than anything right now in this social climate. Like we just have to listen and we have to hear people. And if people felt really offended um then that sucks you know and and we have to try to correct that and i think that she is so talented and i think a it's really hard to be so young and get so famous and you know where the parents like you know that mean girl mentality thing like it's one thing to play that character why is that accepted off stage by anyone it should have been right away and like when i talk and teach you know young actors and young musical theater hopefuls or young idol hopefuls that's what we talk just be nice just be nice to everybody all the time you don't know who someone's gonna be one day you know the audition starts now you know it starts in the elevator on the way up on the sidewalk you don't know who you're in, walking in with you know just be nice and i just think that that's a lot of that is insecurities and a lot of stuff. And we just have to do better about, you know, teaching uh, young professionals that that is not okay. So if people felt that offended and even more so, um, then that sucks, you know, and I'm sure she is hurting inside for a doing that to anyone, for making anyone feel that way. But um, because she's, taking a lot of shit right now but it sucks because she's like about to have a baby um if she hasn't had it already i don't know and that's 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 you know supposed to be just like this amazing time you know so that's totally. so. but you never but had she's married and like seems like a great guy she's got like a ring like this on her on her freaking 
on a ring. On a the ring is there. big. But you yeah. never experienced anything like on Broadway. Because there have been Broadway people that have had bad stories, too. Yeah, no, I just, um, you know, I've heard them. <laughs> I've heard them all. And, uh, no, I have not, I don't have that experience. In fact, if anything, like, um, I think we hung out and I didn't even realize that she was the girl that then became the girl on Glee. And I then later put it together like, oh, that kind of thing. What do you mean that you hung out? Did you have a moment with her? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's we're a very close community, you know, so um, I think we had, yeah, we might have had a little moment together back in the day, yeah. Well, that's nice. What was A-Rod like in Cameron Diaz? Awesome. Um, A-Rod is, um, I mean, first of all, he's just like this striking, good-looking guy, right? And um, he's, he's, it's funny that A-Rod is his nickname because he's quite like the, the sort of um, lightning rod of, uh, um, I don't know, good and evil, I feel like, you know, um, probably the most naturally gifted baseball player in the modern era ever. And, uh, but, you know, he, he got into a lot of controversy with um, perhaps performance enhancing, you know, uh, um, chemicals and such, but he was just a full slayer. I mean, I remember, um, I mean, the girls were going crazy. I mean, he's really good looking. Cameron Diaz was super nice. I had met her before and then they were together. And I remember going to CC Sabathia's uh, birthday party and they were together then. And I was like partying with Cameron and, you know, A-Rod was kind of maybe working the room and, you know, he was still pretty young then, you know, we're, I think the same age. So, um, he was having this moment. He'd just gotten to New York, you know, he was a Yankee. Uh, they won, I think in his first year, 2009, the Yankees won the world series. That was when rock of ages like exploded. So it was a good year. It was a good year. And, uh, yeah, he was great. And then I remember later on, he was with Kate Hudson, who I had known pretty good. We've been to some game nights at her house and, um, so he, he, you know, he did pretty well. He's done well. I mean, listen, he's, I mean, he's- And now J-Lo, which right. is like, I mean, come on. I mean, I mean she, whoa, she's major. Was there anyone who came backstage who was just, you were like, oh my God, what an asshole, or this person's so rude? Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to part one of our sit down with Constantine Marulis. And stay tuned for part two, where we basically get into whether Constantine is the new Harry Dubin. It was just revealed this past week on RHONY that he was been with Tinsley, Ramona, and Luann. We need to know everything. What was that like? And was Constantine with any other housewives? What about from other franchises? Oh. The answers are so interesting. Stay tuned for part two. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, 
subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.